And Father God, I thank you that the words to that song that we just sang are so true, that you are our living hope. And Father, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made on the cross. God, I thank you that that day that you died on the cross, that veil, that curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom in two. God, and I thank you that you moved into our lives. You took a step toward us. God, I thank you that no longer do we have to go through a priest or a rabbi or a teacher, a philosopher. No longer do we have to go through someone else to meet with you. That's part of what it means to be our living hope. And we thank you, Father, for access to you. And God, I pray from from this place this morning that you would stir, that your Holy Spirit would stir in my heart and in the heart of your people here on Hilton Head at Hilton Head Island Community Church. God, I pray that we would be committed to being people of prayer. God, that our consistency and our persistency in our lives would be marked by all the many things that our lives are marked with, but primarily, God, I pray that it would be marked by prayer. God, lead us right now. Lead us to a place where you are teaching us. God, may I step out of the way and let your Holy Spirit teach us. May we have eyes to see and hearts to hear what you have for us today. And we can't wait to see what you do as a result. In Jesus' name, I prayed. And all God's people said, amen, amen. It's good to be back with you today. Um, for those of you I don't know or if you've forgotten, my name's Todd. I'm the lead pastor. And I've been gone for a few weeks, been gone for a couple weeks. Uh, we, were, uh, we did a little, family, a little family thing, me and Sean actually, did a little family thing a few weeks ago. And uh, last week we were in New York City. We have a partner, a church partner in New York City. It's called the Gallery Church. And uh, the pastor there is a 38, I believe, year old Stanley Thomas. And Stanley's preaching here years ago. He will be preaching here again in the future. I can promise you that because I think he's one of the great anointed um, men of God. Um, and, and I can't wait for you to hear Stanley. He is an amazing communicator, very gifted and just a godly young guy. But uh, he found out several weeks ago that he has a heart condition. And uh, so uh, it was much, it was very much a surprise. And uh, so he had surgery and everything went well, but they told him you can't even preach um, for the next six weeks, and um, he responded like all of us pastors did with really preaching, really like spends that much energy, and is that bad on my heart? Maybe it is. So uh, anyway, he, uh, he's taken a few weeks off, and so I was honored to, to be one of those weeks, and uh, we were there last week and had a great time, and I'll tell you that the Gallery Church is doing very well, and they also have a dynamic worship pastor because of your commitment, because um, of our commitment as a church to them, um, they were able to go out and and hire a worship pastor. And so, man, they're doing great things. A church that two years ago was very close to considering shutting down the doors. And God said, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. And it's amazing to see what's going on there. And so uh, we, we had a missions team of about 12 people there back in August. And I'm sure that we will do that again coming up this year. 
Today um, is, is part four in our series called United, What Happens When the Church Prays. And I'm so thankful to Clint, um, uh, Clint Trebesh, who was here two weeks ago and brought a message on boldness because sometimes our prayers kind of hang out in the conceivable and God is a God of the impossible and the inconceivable and that's where he exists. And so Clint did an amazing job, and I loved some of the stories he shared. He shared some amazing stories about his family and how they were they really struggled through some things and hit their knees, and God answered in miraculous ways. It was awesome. And so, um, man, thanks for to, to Clint Trebesh, who was here. And then, of course, last week, Justin um, delivered a great message. Um, I, I came to him several weeks before, and I said, hey, I want you to wrestle with something easy. Um, you, you, you're a great seminarian, and you're a great theologian, and a great pastor, and I want you to wrestle with this easy subject of, do our prayers change God's mind? And uh, he was uh, he was like, you want me to what? Really? So anyway, that was kind of a fun thing to talk him off the cliff of, but it was great, and he did an amazing job, and I'm so thankful for Justin, and uh, thankful that uh, he did an amazing job, I think, of, of painting uh, the picture of a very difficult topic that um, God's plans are sovereign, um, and God's God's ways are true, uh, but we do have an impact on perhaps the path. Um, I, I believe that he you know, talked about the highway and that there are different lanes on the highway and that God may take a different path based on our prayers. And so today, I, I just want to remind you that um, prayer is important. And prayer is an important part of our lives in church, Hilton Head Island Community Church. Prayer is an important part of this church it is an important part of God's people. It is important, an important part of the church, capital C Church. And, and I, my, my fear is and my angst is, is that we as a church don't take seriously enough the practice of prayer. And even when I say the practice of prayer, I know some of you are thinking about, you know, gosh, legalism. You're thinking about maybe a different religion or a different way that they may be committed to, and that's not our way. And today what I want to do is just kind of talk a little bit, maybe level the playing field on that issue and maybe some others. Uh, I want to talk about this idea of our persistency and our consistency as God's people in prayer. But what's at the center, I believe, of what we're going to be talking about today and the place that we're going today is this idea of dependence. And I want to ask you this morning, just, just to get started, is where does your dependence lie? Where does your dependence lie? I talk a lot about this, and you may, you may talk about it in your home. You may, you may you know, think about this often in your own prayer life. We, we talk about it often here that um, we want to be people who are completely God-dependent and rejecting this idea of self-dependence. And my prayer throughout today and leading up to today is, is for us to really check through the avenue of prayer of where does our dependence lie. This, I'm not talking about just a, a, a little kind of nod in, yeah, I'm dependent on God. Just kind of the token, like Sunday school correct answer, yeah, I trust him. <laughs> but I'm talking about a deep dependence. In fact, if you think about it for a moment, the, the, the very nature of dependence itself is not just a little nod towards God, pardon the expression there. It is a true and full, all-consuming dependence on him. 
And I want to say right up front, I, I don't always get this right, church. I don't. I often get this wrong. I often allow my dependence on God to, to fade because of situations and circumstances. And I, I will often kind of just ease very slowly, kind of just a slow burn towards a little bit more of self-dependence. And anything that's self-dependent can't be God-dependent. And I know some of you are thinking, wait, what about work? What about like the things that we do? What about obedience? And all of that is true. In fact, Martin Luther said, pray as if everything depends on God, then work as if everything depends on you and I've always loved that statement but my problem is in the church I don't think we truly understand the first statement I don't know if we truly understand the idea of praying as if everything depends on God Frank Condor, who's one of my buddies, passed away um, a couple years ago. And uh, Leslie, uh, who is our kids director, I think is here today helping uh, with guest services. Frank used to look at me when I was bothered by something or, or I had something, some kind of burden on my heart. And he would look at me and, and he would say in those kind eyes he had, he'd say, Todd, pray about that thing. And then when you're done praying, pray again. And when you're done praying again, pray again. And then when you're done praying again, pray again. And I loved his dependence on the Almighty. He trusted God in every area. And so I don't know about you, but I want to be a person who doesn't have a life with prayer, a life that includes prayer, but I want to become a person who has a life of prayer. There's a huge difference in those words and those articles there's a, there's a huge difference in, in that statement, a person with prayer and a person of prayer. And church, I, I want us to, to become people. It's, it's my, my desire that I become a person of prayer. Because we can be people of a lot of different things. If your life is defined by your career, um, it's not just life with work, it's a life of work, right? If your life is defined by service, it's not just a life with margin to serve, but a life of margin to serve. If your life is defined by health and fitness, it's not just a life that you kind of play around and you have fitness with fitness, but it is a life of fitness and healthy eating. And when it comes to prayer, I think there are generally two types of people, those who include prayer in their life and those people who have a life of prayer. And I want us to be people, and I want us to be a church who gets that we should be people that have a life of prayer. And today what I want to do is talk about three ways to answer what seems like Maybe a simple question, and that is, is are we people that have a life of prayer, or are we people that have a life that includes prayer with prayer? Are we people who have a life of prayer, or are we people who, who have a life with prayer? And I think those, that distinction really plays itself out in how we live our daily lives and how we truly understand this idea of consistent and continual prayer. Today's message is entitled, Don't Stop. 
But in some ways, I'm going to tell you two things today. I'm going to tell you that when it comes to being a person who has a life of prayer, that we need to stop and then we need to not ever stop again. We need to stop and then never stop again. And today, I want to encourage you first and foremost, my first point of the three is is that in the middle of your circumstances, that we need to stop and pray. We need to stop and pray. If we are going to be people who have a life of prayer, we are going to stop and pray. I read an article years ago, and was, um, this article by Jean McMahon, and Jean communicated a, a time when she was in Kentucky. She said, attending a church in Kentucky, we watched an especially verbal and boisterous child being hurried out, slung under his father's irate father's arm. I think I might have been there once in my life, by the way. I don't know about you in the middle of church. No one in the congregation so much as raised an eyebrow until the child captured everyone's attention by crying out in a southern, charming southern accent, y'all pray for me now. (laughs) I think I was there when I was a kid. Oh, man. He understood the idea of stopping and praying, or in his case, asking people to pray on his behalf. He knew he was in trouble. See, being people of prayer, I think, begins with us understanding that in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of your circumstance, that the first thing that we need to learn is to stop and pray. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, and he says this in Philippians 4, 6 and 7. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. But in, what's that next word? Everything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then he answers the anxiety issue. He says, in the peace of God, which surpasses All understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In this letter of spiritual encouragement, the Apostle Paul is instructing this group of Christians in the first century in probably a very difficult time for Christians, in a difficult place for Christians. He's encouraging them that we don't have to worry. Oh, my goodness worry. But he says, in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. What is everything? What is everything? It's everything. It's every circumstance. It's every situation. It's every problem. It's every emotion. It's every feeling, it's every phone call. It's every time that you don't get the deal. It's every time you get the deal. It's every time that you do have the extra income. It's every time that you lose the income. It's before you go on that flight. It's before you take off on a trip. It's while you're on the trip. It's in everything. 
It says in everything, in everything. Listen, church, I want you to hear that because of what Jesus did on the cross, because that veil was torn, because that curtain was split in two, we have full access to God. We have full access to the God of creation. And we have the permission and the authority to go to him in everything at any time. There's not a situation in which you are too unholy or too unclean or too in peril or too in trouble or too discouraged or too despondent or too depressed that God won't receive you in to that war room, that prayer room, and he won't hear you. And so in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I have people that often say, you know, Todd, I'm just not much of a regularly scheduled prayer person. I like my prayers to be spontaneous, which I get. I'm the same way. I get that. But I think that if we take that word everything and really begin to unpack it, I believe that the idea of praying in every situation, yes, is in those times when you need God the most. But I got to tell you, church, that it's practiced in those times when maybe we're not thinking about the fact that we need God the most. And see, I think that we do need to have both. We do need to to, to have regularly scheduled times when we pray that's every day. I mean, Daniel, Daniel, the great man of God that we talked about a few years ago, um, when he prayed uh, with spontaneity, when he prayed when they were in the midst of crisis, when he prayed, you know, in, in the midst of all the different things that they were facing in that day, it came from a place of praying three times every day in the same spot looking out over the city. And so the idea of regularly scheduled prayer is not something that is birthed in legalism. It's actually something that sets us up for success. In fact, regularly scheduled prayer in your life is the foundation upon which spontaneous prayer is built. In church, we need to have both. We need to be people who have a time and a place where we meet with the one that we can go to in any circumstance and in any situation throughout our day. And so becoming people of prayer means that we meet with God on a regular basis, but then we can go to him throughout our day whenever we need him in whatever circumstance we're in. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, the moment that you wake up each morning, all of your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists in shoving it all back, in listening to that other voice. He's talking about the voice of God, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing And church, if we're going to be people who pray in everything, we need to learn to pray on a regular basis in the quietness of a closet or a room. 
I've got a mentor in my life who, um, when he and his wife moved from California to Atlanta, um, they were so serious about prayer that in their house, they in their master bedroom area, um, they they had you know a closet like a walk-in closet, and they had I can't imagine the conversation with this contractor. Um, we want you to build a walk-in closet, and then behind that, in each walk-in closet, we want you to build a very small closet. I'm sure the builder was like, "Well, now." You with the mob or like, what's going on here? What are you doing in that other closet, you know? And my friend Tim said that he and his wife would go in every morning to that private place. And they would spend time with the Savior. They would spend time in quiet with God. And church, I know that I can't do this life on my own, on my own strength. It, it, it runs to that dependency thing. Like, I can't do it. But he can. He can. He can. And so we learn to pray in everything by praying when we have those moments of quiet by ourselves. How are we going to practice this? I want to encourage you to practice the idea of stop and pray. When you feel your situation is difficult this week, today, when you feel today like you're up against a difficult talk to God about it. But then Paul says that we ought to also give thanks. And so in the same spirit, I want to encourage you to practice this by when you feel your situation is beneficial to stop and to give thanks for it. When you feel like you're in a situation where you're facing some sort of difficulty, stop and talk to God about it. But also, likewise, in the same vein, when you feel your situation is beneficial, let us as a church, let us as God's people, practice stopping and giving him thanks. I think it will open up a whole new world to all the benefits and all the things that God does for us. And it may change our minds from being focused on what's negative to what God has done. If we're going to be people of prayer, we're going to be people who stop and pray, both in scheduled and spontaneous prayer. But secondly, we're going to be people that as we go through our day, we will never stop praying. It's my second point. As you go through your day, never stop praying. Never stop praying. Never stop praying. Ephesians 6, 18, the same writer says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And by the way, this verse comes right on the heels of him talking about spiritual warfare and telling us as God's people that we are equipped, that God has equipped us with all the things needed to, to fight that good fight to stand up against the evil one to stand strong in the midst of the spiritual warfare that we face. And he ends it here in verse 18 where he draws the conclusion that we need to pray. What are those two next two words, next three words? At all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, right on the heels of, of, uh, of, of this passage, giving us some really kind of like, going against the grain conventional wisdom on how we should operate with each other. In verse 16, he says, rejoice always. And 17 says, pray without what? Ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. He says very much the same thing Paul does here. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He says to pray at all times, to pray without ceasing. And I want us as a church, I want us as God's people to be people 
of prayer, and that means that we learn how to pray and never stop praying. I learned a great lesson when I was a teenager from my youth pastor. Those of you who are students in here, um, man, I just want to encourage you um, to be a part of Wednesdays, to be a part of what Justin and, and Jesus and Andrea are doing with our Next Generation ministry. Because the lessons that I learned during those years have stuck with me through all of my years. And I learned a great lesson at about 15, 16 years old from Jeff Cranston, who was my mentor and who was my youth pastor. And now is the pastor of the church that helped us get our start here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. He's out at Low Country Community Church. And Jeff taught me a great lesson. He said, Todd, throughout all of your day, throughout all of your life, you can be talking to God all the time as if he's right there. Because guess what, Todd? He is. He is. See, church, at the moment that we become Christians, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. He takes up residence in us. And he is with us always. He's with us always. And so we, God's people, if we're going to be people of prayer, we need to understand that we need to be people who go through our days and we never stop praying. We never stop praying. And I want you to practice this idea of never stop prayer as you live the rest of today, as you live the rest of today, I want to encourage you to talk to God like he's right there with you because he is. I want to encourage you to talk to God like he's right there with you because God is right there with you. Listen, I just want, to, want you to stop for a second and think about, just let that land on you for a second. Let that sink in for a second. That he is always there at your disposal. You don't have to go to a certain place. You don't have to be there at a certain time or with a certain person. You don't have to go through all the right you know, steps. He is with you always. And you can go throughout your day talking to him. Someone asked the question, won't people think you're crazy? <laughs> Maybe. I'm willing to take that risk. <laughs> I'm willing to take that risk because I have the God of creation, the Alpha and the Omega on my side. So if they think I'm a little crazy, that's fine. And by the way, I don't always do it out loud, okay? So I don't want to think I'm too crazy. But you can be talking to God in your heart and in your mind all the time. If we're going to be people of prayer, the last thing I think we need to understand and learn is that no matter what happens, we never, ever, ever give up on prayer. We never give up on prayer. I'm going to ask a question this morning. How many of you have been praying for something, for, for you know, one thing, um, for more than a week? I want you to raise your hand this morning. I'm raising my hand. Okay? All right, you can put your hands down. How many of you have been praying for that same thing for more than a month? Raise your hand. Awesome. All right, you can put your hands down. How about more than a year? Church, that's what we need to be doing. And I'm proud of you. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
I hope it's something that lines up with his will and his way. But Romans 12, again, the Apostle Paul's writing this letter to the church in Rome. In Romans 12, 12, says, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. We talk about this often here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, that um, when Jesus was on this earth, that he promised us a lot of things, and there are a lot of benefits that we have as his followers. Um, but one of the things that he promised was what? Trouble. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. He says, you will have tribulation. And Paul repeats that here by saying that we need to be patient in tribulation. But he doesn't just end there. He says that we need to, to, to rejoice in hope, that we need to be patient in tribulation, but that we need to be constant in prayer. Constant in prayer. Some of your versions may say unceasing or unending and I think it goes back to what Frank taught me about prayer, that when we've prayed about that thing once, pray again. And when we've prayed about it again, pray again. Continual prayer going back to God. Not that we're demanding the right answer that we think from him, but that we are truly committing that thing to prayer. You see, there's a huge difference between demanding something from God and understanding our dependence on him. There's a huge difference between those two things. And you praying about whatever it is that is on your heart, that it's your greatest source of need and, and maybe want or desire, um, you know, that thing, whatever it is, or, or desperation, that thing, committing it to prayer, is not being demanding. It's not saying, God, I want this my way. But it's taking it to him over and over and over again until you get a yes, until you get a no, which I've gotten before, and been disappointed and then realized it was all for my good because that's the way God works. Or maybe you're just going to get another, yeah, I just need you to wait. And all three of those answers, the yes, no, or wait, yes or no, or maybe. It's like the little note you send in eighth grade to find out if the girl likes you. <laughs> like the, all three of those answers drive back to being dependent on God because a yes is a yes and we're still dependent on him. A no is a no and we're clearly dependent on him. And a maybe makes us even more dependent on him, doesn't it, church? Because I don't know about you, but I don't like to wait. And so I want to encourage us as God's people to not go to God shaking our fist, saying, I want this thing, or I need this thing, or I need you to answer ASAP, God. I know that's sometimes how I pray. I want this as soon as possible, God. You need to answer me now, God. But I want us to go to the throne of grace. Not with the idea of ASAP, but with the idea of as long as it takes. I want us to go in the spirit of God. This thing is a burden. There's a person that doesn't know you that means a lot to me. And I want them to come to a saving faith in you. And I'm going to pray for as long as it takes. Or I just recently got a phone call. And it was from my doctor. And it is not good. But I'm going to pray, not ASAP, 
but I'm going to pray as long as it takes for you to answer. Or maybe there's a need in your family. Maybe there's been some kind of relationship that's been torn apart by sin and strife, and, and, and you're praying for that to be resolved as ASAP. But maybe what we need to do, church, in practicing this never-give-up type of prayer is to change our minds to praying as long as it takes. Justin, our student pastor, he's a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, and there's a story. I'm going to read it. Um, it was written about years ago. There's a story at Dallas Theological Seminary. In the early days, the, it was in critical need of $10,000 to keep the work going, to keep the work of the seminary going. Well, during a prayer meeting, renowned Bible teacher Harry Ironside, um, who I still read today, a, a lecturer at the school prayed, Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Please send some of those cattle to help us meet this need. Well, shortly after the prayer meeting, a check for $10,000 arrived. Arrived at the school, was sent days earlier than the prayer meeting by a friend who had no idea of the urgent need or of Ironside's prayer. Isn't that awesome? Here's what's more awesome. The man simply said in a note that his money came from the sale of his cattle. That's <laughs> how God works. That's how God works in ways that are so mysterious and miraculous to us. But church, we can't expect him to do that if our lives are just lives with prayer. Hilton Head Island Community Church, it's time for us to be people whose lives are lives of prayer. People who walk throughout our day talking to the Savior, having conversation with God, because people who live a life of prayer experience the delight of a, of a total God-reliant living. And churches with people who live a life of prayer like we've talked about today, together get to experience together the delight of God-reliant living. And so today as we close, I just want to ask you, to identify the one thing that is most your burden. What is the one thing that today you came in here most burdened about? Maybe it's something deep within you. Maybe it's a wayward child or two. Or maybe for you it is a work-related thing that you just continue to hit the ceiling on. Or maybe it's a financial thing. Or maybe if you were really honest, today, just you and God. Maybe if you were really honest, it's some kind of addiction that has plagued you forever or a sin or a lifestyle thing that you know, man, is keeping you from abundance with God. Because as we'll learn next week, we can't be people of prayer and expect that God won't change us because he will change us. He will change us. Maybe today he wants that thing that is most a burden for you. And all that's standing in the way of your greatest desire, your greatest prayer request, your greatest need, your, your greatest thing that you want to accomplish for God, whatever that is. The thing that's standing in that way is a movement from being a person who has a life with prayer and move to a person who has a life 
of prayer. Church, imagine for a second. Imagine what God would do in us and through us as his people. Imagine what he would do in your life if you truly lived like this. If you truly lived like a person of prayer, imagine what he could do in our community, reaching people who are far from God or disenchanted with church or disenchanted with God because of church people, which I run into a lot. Imagine what he could do in and through us. We, we as a church have something that, as a lot of you are, are kind of walking through the Circle Maker book uh, called uh, Draw the Circle the 40 Days. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't started, we, we probably only have a, a dozen days left or so, but you can start anytime. Jump in. Uh, I mean, and as, as Batterson prayed and as they had as a church a, three, or a, a, a couple million dollar need and God provided three he can do the same thing with us. We have a half a million dollar need. We've got a gap of a half a million dollars that we need uh, over, over the next nine months. Um, let's circle it, church. Let's circle it. But let's become people of prayer and then circle it. Let's ask for God to meet those greatest points of prayer in our lives. We, as we pray as a church, I'm just going to ask you to identify that thing that is the greatest burden in your life your greatest request, and let's right now take it to him. Would you pray with me this morning, church? Oh, God. There is such a delight and a joy in the midst of being fully dependent on you. And God, everything that we're talking about today, it's not, a, it's not for our own want or pleasure. God, you're not there to just make us feel good about life. You're not there to just tickle our ears. You're not there like a jackpot. God, you're there to change us. You're there to, to look out for our best, to provide in our greatest time of desperation. And God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus for everyone who's in this room, God, beginning with me beginning with me, Father, would you make us people who move from a place of being Christians that have days that may or may not include prayer, lives that may or may not include prayer, but God, would we be people who truly depend on you? God, I pray that you would help each one of us today to realize that in any situation that we can stop and pray. That it can be spontaneous, but it should be scheduled as well. And we need to stop our day long enough in the morning or in the evening or whenever our best time is to meet with you, God, that we need to make that a regular part of our day, just like we stop for food. God, help us to understand that it's not just stopping and praying, but it's continuing to pray with you throughout the day. It's going through our days with this silent and then maybe even sometimes audible conversation that we have with you. God, give us the power to do that. Give us the reminder to do that. Give us the courage to do that. And God, remind us also of how much we as your people depend on you so much that we ought to go to you over and over and over again until we hear from you. And Father, let our hearts be able to accept the yes, the no, or the wait or maybe answer that you give us.
And God, let us walk in this great pleasure, this great delight, this great joy of moving from being dependent on ourselves to being dependent on you, the one who died for our sins. God, I pray right now as, as we've heard your word, God, I pray that it would move past our minds and it would move to our hearts, God, so that we would truly, truly Make you the centerpiece of our lives and our hearts. God, I pray that you would move in our lives and search our hearts in such a way that you take all of the stuff that may be in there and make us aware of where we failed you. And God, may we not go to a place of guilt, but may we go to a place of abandonment from that thing, whatever it is, to a place of victory because you've got it. Trusting you, completely depending on you. We love you, God. And I thank you so much that we have the opportunity, we have the chance to enter in with you and do business with you, God. Now may we respond in kind. We love you. We thank you so much for being the king. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name.